Hello everyone, this is Andrew Pond, Artistic Director of Eclectic Full Contact Theater. Welcome to Season 3 of the Half Hour Audio Hour. Every month we'll be featuring a different playwright, allowing you to not only hear their work, but to find out a little more about them and their process. If you enjoy what you hear, please remember to like, follow, and subscribe to our podcast. And feel free to leave a review. You can help us out in continuing this work by heading over to redcircle.com shows slash half-hour-audio-hour, where you can sponsor us through a one-time or recurring donation and become our partner in highlighting the voices and stories of women, BIPOC, and LGBTQ artists. This month's production is The Meeting, written by Rachel Feeney-Williams, directed by Gail Starr, and starring Robin Fodor and Kelsey Mower. Before we start, we'd like to briefly introduce you to Rachel Feeney-Williams. After the production, stay tuned for an interview with Rachel for more insight into the play and this process. Rachel Feeney-Williams is a 36-year-old playwright based in Exeter, UK. She has been writing, self-producing, and selling plays for just over 10 years, following the completion of her degree in creative and performing arts at Liverpool Hope University. Over the past 10 years, her work has been produced many times in her local area of Devon, as well as nationally and internationally. In 2021, her piece Believe Me also won an award for Best Original Script in the Exmouth One-Act Play Festival. As well as her own writing, she also runs a group called the Literary and Discourse Society, who meet every Sunday to read plays on Zoom exclusively written by members. The Society has been running weekly since June 2020 and now has a following of writers from across the world. In January 2023, she started an audio play podcast entitled Theatrical Shenanigans, where she was able to showcase the works of other playwrights by reproducing their scripts as audio plays and then having a chat about said plays with a guest from the theater world. Her main love of writing is to challenge herself, and for that reason, she has completed five Play-A-Day challenges since February 2021. And now, the meeting. How are you doing? I'm all right. You found the place then? Simon, I'm from Devon now, out to Mongolia. I, I know, I just didn't... Didn't think a poor country bumpkin could handle the big city. I didn't say that. I've been up here before, remember? Mostly to visit you. Are you going to start arguing already? I... No, I'm sorry. I'm just nervous. You have nothing to be nervous about. Just sit down. Wow. What? Nothing. It's too much, isn't it? No, it's fine. I knew it was too much, but I thought I'd go for the professional look. And and it is a professional look. We should just cancel. What? We could just go, have a nice lunch somewhere and take in a show. Rachel. Simon. Your clothes are lovely. You are lovely. Now sit down. Thanks. It's what I'm here for. You're sure it's not too much? Absolutely positive. Okay. 
Okay. I cannot believe I let you talk me into this. What? You were really excited about it. I know. You said this was the big break you'd been waiting for. I know. And now that you finally have a producer who likes your work and wants to meet, now you want to back out? I don't want to back out. I just... What? Well, this guy has been producing plays for over 45 years. He's a legend in his field. Well, so are you. I'm not even a footnote. Oh, don't talk like that. Well, I'm not. Fifteen years of writing piddly little plays and having some of them produced locally. Well, there you go. That's more than some people have done. It's hardly the Royal Shakespeare Company, is it? The RSC is overrated. You're just saying that to make me feel better. Did it work? Sort of. Look, he loved your play. He wants to produce your play. We are here because of your play. Stop saying you're like that. You sound too intense. Well, this is intense. This is a huge deal for you. This is a London producer meeting you for lunch to discuss producing your play in the West End, for God's sake. It doesn't get much bigger than that. So, no pressure then. Oh, you will be fine. You'll talk about the play. You'll sound very passionate. He'll love it and we'll celebrate with some nice champagne. You are riding a lot on him loving this. Well, what's not to love? It's a new idea. It's funny and it's got mostly female leading characters. What's that got to do with anything? In this social climate, it's everything. Oh, come on. No, it's true. Theatres are crying out for plays that showcase great female characters. I think theatres are crying out for shows that make massive amounts of money. The world has had enough of big budget musicals. <laughs> I'm not sure that's true. Okay, it's not, but that doesn't change the fact that the world needs something different that has some great, funny female characters. You talk as though there has never been a play with mostly female characters. Well, there may as well not have been, because your play leaves them in the dust. How much coffee have you had? Two. Three, while I was waiting, but it doesn't matter. I don't think having you hyperactively tell this guy how much he is going to love my play is going to help very much. He doesn't need me to tell him. He told me. That's why we're here. So you're telling me this guy's phoned you up? Yeah. And said, I've seen this script online. It's the greatest thing ever written. Now I want to produce it. Totally. Pretty much. How pretty much? Well, he said he liked it. Right. After I sent it to him. What? Well, you were just sitting there in your tiny office in Devon, of all places, and just hoping your future as a successful playwright would fall into your lap. That didn't give you the right to! Did I get your script read? Yes. Is a producer meeting you to discuss that script because of that? Well, yes. Then there you are. Now stop moaning about it. I'm not moaning! It sure bloody sounds like it to me. I just have... concerns. About how much money you're going to make? Because that's all you need to be concerned about. No, I just... Have you read this? What is it? After you called, I went online and did some research on this guy. You googled him? Well, he was offering to produce my work and I think the least I could do is know something about him. And? He's the big time, isn't he? Yes, but... But what? Read the article about the play he did about the writer from Glasgow. Bust up over brassiers. A hell of a title. Just read. All right. So? 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 
He took this guy's play and shredded it. I wouldn't say it was that bad. The play started out as an exploration of dark relationship between a family and the secrets they were keeping from each other. And? He put fucking musical numbers in it. All right, all right, keep your voice down. He took that poor guy's play and he murdered it. Well, all plays are open to various interpretations. Not when it involves having the female characters walk around with no tops on because, and I quote, breasts put bombs on seats. Okay, I will admit he was a bit of an extravagant. Extravagant? The writer refused to be there on opening night because of what he did. Yes, but he did say later that the experience benefited his writing process. Yeah, because his next piece was about a writer brutally murdering and hiding the body of an unreasonable director. And that was only produced in smaller theatres. It was designed for more intimate spaces, and it won awards. Well, anyone can win awards these days. I'm not going to let him murder my play, Simon. He's not going to. No? Look, that incident was ten years ago. Trust me, his works have changed a lot since then. Well, you researched him, you must know that. He did seem to mellow out a bit when he came off the cocaine. So? If I don't like this pitch, I can say no? Of course. And anything I sign, I want it written in there that there are certain things I will not allow to be added in. Right, well... My play is not to be dicked about with. Understood. Not by him or anyone. I completely understand. And you're happy to agree to that? Of course. Even if it means this project doesn't happen. You are my friend and the writer. I would not have brought you into this if I didn't think it was going to be great. That's nice, but you didn't actually answer my question. All right, I agree, okay. No need to get testy. I am not the one who's trying to kill this project before it's been allowed to start. I'm not trying to kill it. Really? Because most unknown writers would be worshipping me as a god for getting a big-time producer to read and want to produce their work. I've had plays produced before. In tiny village halls, Rachel. It's still a production. I will not have you belittling the people who help me see my work on a stage. All right. They are wonderful people and all very nice. Sure they are. And just because they aren't so famous that they can afford to be ten minutes late for a meeting doesn't make them any less important. Okay, I'm sorry. <sighs> he's not coming, is he? What? Of course he is. Simon! He's ten minutes late. This is beyond fashionably late. This is I can't be bothered late. That's not true. He is very keen on working on this. Then where is he? Look, if it will calm you down, I will call him, okay? Oh no, we mustn't interrupt the great producer when he's clearly very busy being late for meetings. Hi, it's Simon. Uh, look, we're just at the restaurant and we were just wondering where you were. Um, give me a call when you get this, thanks. He's turned his phone off. What? Well, he's clearly had second thoughts about the meeting, so he's just turned his phone off. Don't be daft, the man's a professional. Who thinks plays can't be done unless they're full of musical numbers and half-naked women? Look, that was years ago, and he is a changed man. Yeah, right. Would I have sent him your play otherwise? I don't... Am I your friend? Of course you are! Have I always been just as excited about the idea of your big break as you have? Well, yes. Then why on earth would I risk our friendship and a big break I have been excited about for many years by bringing in a producer I thought would ruin your work? 
I suppose you wouldn't. You suppose I wouldn't? Okay, okay, you wouldn't. There you go, so why don't you sit down, have a drink, and just calm down. Sorry, I just, I never thought this would happen. I know you didn't. So this is hard for me to process. I get that. And I'm very nervous. You've nothing to be nervous about. And when I get nervous, I tend to get aggravated by things. Understandable. Like someone being 11 minutes late for a meeting. He's probably on the underground, which is why his phone was going to voicemail. Oh, I should think he's got a car and a driver. Oh, yeah, uh, probably. Probably? What? What do you mean, probably? Well, I don't know his travelling choices. Oh. My. God! What? He's broke, isn't he? What? That's why he's agreed to do my play. He's broke and needs some nobody show to bring him back into the producer's mainstream. No, that's not it at all. That's why he's stuck on the underground. He can't afford a car. Or he just chooses not to drive like a sensible person because this is London. Why do you keep defending him? I'm not. Do you have some sort of vested interest in this? Well, I want you to have the big break that you deserve, but you've known that for years. Did you send the play to other producers? Yes, I did, actually. But he was the only one who responded. Yes, but I expect once the show is a success... Why? Why what? Why was he the only one who replied? Why didn't the others? I don't know. You mean you didn't ask them? I was a bit busy arranging this meeting. Which he's now 12 minutes late for. This amazing producer. Oh, so now he's amazing, is he? He will bring your work to life in a great production. You don't know that, though. Rachel, we have been through this. Don't do that. Do what? Talk to me like I'm a fragile little girl. I'm not. Because I'm a grown woman and I've had works produced before. Locally? That's not the point. Well, what is the point? You sent my work to the sky without consulting me and not having done any research or being aware of his history with writers. He had one incident years ago. That's hardly a track record of behaviour. The man is an egomaniac and clearly a sexist. Was. He was an egomaniac. But he's still a sexist. I didn't say that. Because that's all I need as a writer of a play with six female characters, is to have them subjected to the archaic opinions of a sexist. It's not going to be like that. But you don't know that. You didn't even know that he was once an egomaniac and a sexist, let alone if he still is one. When he gets here... If! If he gets here... When he gets here, we can have that conversation. Oh yeah, I'm sure that will go really well. Excuse me, I know you're a famous producer and have been producing plays longer than I have been alive, but as a lonely playwright, I just want to make sure your history of being an egomaniac and a sexist won't affect my work. Well, I wouldn't put it quite like that. I'm going. What? I can't do this. Oh, come on, Rachel, don't be like this. I'm sorry. Be like what? All writer-y. What on earth are you talking about? Being all precious about your work. Precious? Well, you know what I mean. No, Simon. I have no idea. Well... Do you possibly mean that because I, as a writer previously unproduced outside of Devon, dared to have an opinion about how my work should be portrayed, that I have committed some huge betrayal to you and your product as a whole? No. 
but I... are you saying I'm being unreasonable by expecting my work to be produced in the way it was written and not to be dicked about with? Rachel, am I being unreasonable to expect a so-called professional producer to show up on time and expect him to be respectful of my work and then want to turn it into a festering turd of a show with 18 musical numbers and where all the female cast are naked? Rachel, no, no, that would be far too much to expect, wouldn't it? That I should just bow down to this egotistical maniac who clearly has no respect for writers or vision or decent theatre and say, oh yes, sir, of course you can murder my work in the name of you getting your way. In fact, why don't I just take my top off while we're standing here? Because according to you, women are not good otherwise. Rachel. What, Simon? What other compliments can you possibly have for this theatrical dinosaur whose only contribution to the theater would have been the result of cocaine-fueled women hating bitches? Go on, Simon. Tell me. He's here. Shit. Thank you for listening to The Meeting, here on the Half Hour Audio Hour. Next up is a brief interview we conducted with Rachel Feeney-Williams after the recording of this show. All right. So, first off, Rachel, I just want to say thank you so very much for allowing Eclectic to be part of your show, The Meeting, uh, and put it up here on the Half Hour Audio Hour. I really do appreciate it. You are very welcome. I'm thrilled to hear it produced. It's it's always a great thing for a writer when your work is brought to life. So it's it kind of should be me thanking you, I guess. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, well, see, it's a mutual admiration society, and that's the best way to go about it. So, so tell me, how long have you been writing? Uh, I started writing um, in my... I started writing plays in my final year of university, so that would have been uh, about 12 years or so ago. Um, uh, prior to that, I wrote short stories and very cringeworthy poetry, um, <laughs> <laughs> as you do as a teenager. Yes. Um, and I, I, I started with uh, one play, and then I took a, a four or five year breather uh, and then I wrote a couple more and then it wasn't until the pandemic hit that I really um, attacked it with more vigor as it were um, it's actually thanks to my other half because uh, he and I were kind of trapped in the house together for th- three four months and it got to the point where he was saying look I love you but you need to find something to do so <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I I uh, took the bull by the horns uh, I did a, a play a day challenge in uh, February of 2021 and ever since then I've been uh, writing with more and more enthusiasm and uh, as of uh, I believe it was about two weeks ago I've hit 200 plays in my catalogue <laughs> wow <laughs> when someone tells you to find something to do you do it yes <laughs> That, that is a that's amazing once that kind of inspiration and creativity i say probably infected is a bad word to use but it does it in, infects your mind and it, you're constantly thinking about working well, about this or i could write about that or i need to amend this and change that and that was basically happened it just took over my life and 
for so long I was just like yeah I don't need anything else this is what I have <laughs> wonderful so I the, the the question that I have next is what inspired the meeting um so again going back to the original uh player day challenge I did which was produced by a company called the literal challenge and they do it every year it's described as 28 plays later and it's run in February and they do they send you out a brief every day and the aim is to write a play a day and uh that first year one of their briefs was just to start writing and stop after 20 minutes and <laughs> when when you kind of start that process you think I have no idea what to write and so I just sort of started with writing what I know I wrote about writing plays and I wrote mm-hmm. about you know, being produced and the dream that every playwright has of being produced by a big time producer. Mm-hmm. And then my brain kind of went, hang on, what if it's not that amazing? What if the producer is not a wonderful person? <laughs> and I so I stopped after the 20 minutes and I looked back over the dialogue and I thought, I like this. I'm not leaving that there. And then it just kind of expanded and, and grew out from there. That's I'm I'm very glad to hear uh, you say that because the uh, the the cast and 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 director were like, is this autobiographical? Because the <laughs> character has the same name as the playwright. Did this happen? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it, it's it, it it's inspired by my dream of wanting to be obviously produced by a, a big time producer. But no, I have I have never had that meeting. <laughs> Well, considering how it went, I'm very glad you have not had that meeting. <laughs> um, which, which actually now leads into the to the next question I had, which is, you know, this is a a, a, a comedy. Obviously, mm. it's it's a very funny look at this far more serious idea of you know creative control over your product. You know, as the 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 character in the play is worried because of the the producer's earlier uh, foray into basically screwing with somebody else's script, mm. and uh, you know that's a that's a big discussion, and especially nowadays with you know the the concept of AI and all this other stuff where they can basically do whatever they want. Yeah. Um, you know. What are your thoughts about the issue of how a show should or shouldn't change when it gets taken on to to get produced? I think it's very much, um, it's kind of like you are embarking on a relationship. When you contact a playwright and say, I want to do your play, you're instigating a relationship. And I think like all relationships, the key is communication. If you're not convinced by some of the language, for example. So I know that the meeting contains um, interesting language. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> and some people may not feel as comfortable with that, and that's fine. But I think the key thing is to be able to reach out to the playwright and say, okay, we love this, but we don't think this is going to work with our audience. Mm. And that's fine. At least then you've instigated the conversation but I think to take a play and, as she describes in the, in the meeting, rip it to pieces because, you know, you're a big-end producer or a big-end theatre is – it's just blatant disrespect to the playwright and to the creative process. 
I just think that I, sometimes I think people don't realize how much emotional investment goes into writing a play. Um, and I think like, would you allow someone to, it's a, it's a big dramatic uh, uh, description, but would you allow someone to randomly change the name of your children without asking you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the closest I always describe it to. Well, I, I, and, and, and I, I think that, and, and as you say, I mean, it's a big dramatic thing to say, but at the end of the day, it is a, I think, a fair comparison mm. because of how writers view what they have written. Mm. You, you know, I mean, I, I think you can, you, you will back me up on this most of the time when when you've created a script or something and it's going out to be produced it isn't oh well i just wrote this in 20 minutes yeah this is you know i mean <laughs> i didn't yeah. just sit down and and bang this out you know over lunch yeah you've 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 put a lot of time and effort and and thought and emotion and sweat into creating what you think it should be and how it should be mm. And yeah. so it is very much like parents are going to yell at me for this, but <laughs> very much they'll, yell, like they'll yell at me. They'll yell at me too. So it's fine. Well, <laughs> there you go. You know, I'm used to it at this point, but, <laughs> but, but I mean, because that's one of the things that people also tell um, writers over and over again in, in the editing process is that you have to kill your darlings. Mm. so that you don't get too emotionally attached to stuff. So people realize that there is deep emotional attachment to stuff in scripts because they're telling you get over it. So they know it's there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's it's uh it's it's a very unique relationship between a, a creator and what they've created that I think people who don't do that have a hard time really understanding yeah and it's also a balance of trust as well you as, as much as like the uh, producer or the theater or the director are, produ are trusting that your play will make them some money or will bring an audience in you as a writer are trusting them not to turn their piece of work into an um, apologize for any language flaming pile of rude word um <laughs> it's, i think that's the i think that's the greatest way of putting it uh flaming pile of rude word yeah <laughs> no i i think i and i think that what you said at the very beginning it makes a lot of sense it's really about communication it's like mm. being willing to have a conversation rather than just do something and tell somebody else to just deal with it and the only thing you have to consider as a producer director you wouldn't have this play in your hands or in your theater if it hadn't been for that writer so to a certain degree you owe them a certain level of respect for the work and the way the piece is formed well plus to be completely honest if you've gotten to the point where you're saying i want to produce this this piece there had to be something about it you liked yeah it does. I've I've never understood that whole thing. It's like, yeah, we 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 want to do this thing, but we want to change it completely. Then why? Then go find that play. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but speaking of your creations and your mm. projects, 
uh, do you have any upcoming projects that you'd like to promote? Oh, so many. Um, <laughs> um, I myself uh, also produce uh, an audio play podcast, uh, Theatrical Shenanigans. The season runs every fortnight on a Sunday. Um, we produce an audio play from a playwright anywhere in the world. And I get to discuss that play with a guest who is also from the theatre world. So I've gotten to talk to so many amazing people so far. Uh, we're currently, uh, we have episode eight coming out on the 12th of November. We're running two more episodes to the end of the year. Um, and then we have a Christmas special of my interpretation of A Christmas Carol at the end of the year before we go right back into it again in January. Um, and in addition to that, uh, Gather by the Ghost Light, which is another uh, audio play podcast of producing a live event in Augusta, Georgia of six Christmassy themed plays uh, running from the 14th to the 16th of December. Um, and the guy that produces that, Jonathan Cook, is an amazing uh, producer of audio plays and an amazing playwright, to be fair. So I felt like I would be remiss if I didn't mention that event as well as my own. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> that, you're, you're right. You got a lot going on. <laughs> it's wonderful to be busy. I found um, something to do. <laughs> yes, you did. And, and, <laughs> and, and as somebody else who, who's like, find something to do. Okay. No, no, no. That's a lot. I'm <laughs> I, I know, I know how that, how that goes, but that's wonderful. And, uh, I, I, I want to check your, uh, podcast out because I love, I love audio drama. Mm. Which of course leads us to the most important question of the entire interview. <laughs> <laughs> um, considering that the meeting is about a, a playwright meeting a very, very uh, high-end and famous producer, who's the most famous person you've ever met? See, this this is where I'm I'm a little bit of a fraud compared to you know the characters in the meeting because I haven't actually um, met any uh, famous people. Um, I have. I, as I said, with uh, so having since started theatrical shenanigans, I have spoken to so many um, amazing playwrights and producers and dramaturgs and directors and voice actors, and they're all amazing. And yet, you would say their name to people, and they would go, "Who?" Um, mm-hmm. My only kind of minor claim to fame is many years ago when I was young, I was taken by my aunt to a uh, film premiere of an animated film Treasure Planet um, and we went to the the after um, after thing uh, Madame Two Swords and I saw um, Jim Carter from across the room and, and anyone who doesn't know who that is he plays Mr. Carson in Downton Abbey so feel free to google him but that oh, is my only go. that is my only claim to fame as far as actual <laughs> air quote celebrities are concerned but everything I've done in regards to I mean, say embracing my playwriting more, writing more, getting involved in playwriting groups through the pandemic, and then starting the podcast. I have met so many amazing uh, people. I wouldn't change any of it for you know. If I could meet Chris Hemsworth tomorrow, I'd still be like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well. In 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 fairness, the the uh, the the other stories that we have from from the cast and and 
director are, are like, I once waved at Kanye West and <laughs> I high fived Richard Branson. So we're not we're not talking like rubbing shoulders in in, okay. a, in, a, in a huge way. You're 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 all right. <laughs> I, say, I just I say I have never met you know Andrew Lloyd Webber or I didn't meet Stephen Sondheim or I didn't you know have have lunch with uh, with Dame Judy as much as I would love to. <laughs> well, well, in fairness, most people haven't. No. So- <laughs> So that's that you're in good company. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Rachel, I, I once again, I want to just say thank you so much for uh, letting us be part of your show, The Meeting. It's been a lot of fun. The, the script is absolutely uh, a hoot. I love it. And uh, I'm very, very grateful that we got to be part of it. So on behalf of myself and everyone at Eclectic, I want to say thank you very much. You are very welcome. I am going to share a tiny uh, tidbit with you. Uh, sure. Ever since then, I have written uh, a uh, – it's kind of a long one act at the moment. I think it's going to end up developing into a full length um, called um, Calabba Effing Asian, um, uh, based from the same characters, so Rachel and Simon, um, and they bring said producer in to work on a, another project with her. And they end up working in her flat for several days to try and produce this play, oh. and stuff happens. <laughs> oh, so that play oh. is in existence. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love that. I I I love seeing larger pieces come from smaller things. So I love knowing that that Simon, Rachel, and this and this producer now have a life. Yeah. Oh, no, they, they do. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, I can't wait to read it. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed the meeting. Next month, we will be presenting Hot Mike by Dana Schwartz. And don't forget to head over to eclectic-theater.com to find out about all of our other shows and projects. On behalf of myself and everyone here at EFCT, thanks for listening.